Welcome to Cannons on the Run, episode 36. A production of St. Norbert Abbey in De Pere, Wisconsin. I am Reverend Frater Jordan. And I'm Frater Jonathan. And we are here to talk about John the 23rd. And his Decalogue. This time, number... Mm-hmm. We're recording in Chicago, our good old house of studies. Yes, and spring is on the way. Spring is on the way. Although, as we're recording this, it's within a day or two of Wisconsin just having a snowstorm. Sorry, Wisconsin. Yeah. So, what's been going on in your life, Frater Jonathan? Ah, oh, great news. I just finished my spring semester at CTU. Whoop, whoop. All right. Ooh, that's where we push the celebrate button. We don't have one of those yet. We have to upgrade. <laughs> Our equipment is crap. <laughs> We're working on it. So that's been that was really exciting to complete my spring semester. So almost a full academic year at CTU. We have a May term also. So I'll go back to the Abbey for Holy Week here. And then Easter week after Easter Sunday, I will return to begin the May term at CTU. Great. And the other one for me, as you know from Life in the House... The past month, um, I have been, what, I, what I've come to love and call evangelizing oh, our TV, yeah. internet, uh, and phone provider. We had a variety of different things that needed to be worked on. So like any person who knows, when you call large companies, you have to always go through a robot first. So many hours of conversations with so many different agents and people. I honestly, I, I can confidently say I had a great time. There were a few times it was a little frustrating just because you're waiting and sometimes nothing happened. But for the most part, I just practiced being present to people. And sometimes the person on the phone who seemed the most clueless were the people who actually helped get the most done, which was wow. just awesome. I mean, yeah. if you just love people and have good conversations, they want to help make things happen. Yeah. So obviously, you know, Frater Jonathan was on the phone a long time to figure this this stuff out. But we have things nice and smooth for the most part now with our services. So that is great. Until lightning strikes. Right. And then we'll just start all over. And I'll just make some more friends. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! How about you? How are things for you? Uh, well, yeah, no school. Yippee. <laughs> but, uh, just bring attention to that. <laughs> but, uh, but ministering as a deacon at Old St. Pat's Parish, it's been fun. Uh, Lent has been just a really busy season and it's been a fun experience getting involved in just being with the RCIA team. Mm -hmm. Um, We had a retreat. We have 40 people who will either be baptized or, and, or confirmed in the faith uh, for the Easter vigil. So it's been really, really great to kind of walk with them uh, during Lent and yeah, I don't do anything special. I'm just there. I'm mm-hmm. soaking it all in. And what I love about the RCA program is just trying to build a community of people. So it's like small church and big church, right? Nice. Even even more local church and in, in small communities of RCIA. So that's been a fun mm-hmm. fun learning experience. Also, our last meeting of RCIA, we had the great opportunity for some men from North Lawndale, Hope House. It's called so men who are recovering from addiction and, um, and yeah, trying to cha- change their life and get their life back around. And when they were sharing their stories, they had a lot of questions for me as a person in a habit, uh, as they said, a man of the cloth, mm-hmm. but, um, mm-hmm. but their, their lives are pretty similar to ours in structure and things. Uh, they wake up and they pray, they have Bible study, then they go about their day, then they have evening prayers and, like a community group discussion. And I thought that was really beautiful that 
um, of incorporating that ancient monastic life uh, still being relevant today. Mm -hmm. And uh, the power of that uh, was pretty cool. That's really cool. Yeah. But um, from our recording, tomorrow I leave for Boston. Heck yeah, Boston, yeah. Massachusetts. To run the Boston Marathon on Patriots Day, April awesome. 15th. So when you're submitting your taxes, people, I'll be running a marathon. <laughs> Uh, you may recall, listeners, from one of our earliest episodes that Deacon Jordan was uh, working in the accounting world before, so this is where... Thankfully like... not tax accounting. <laughs> true, true. Good point. In my mind, like that's a reason why you would think of you know, things like tax day, but not specifically that branch. I'm glad you clarified that. Yeah, so, <laughs> so it's, uh, it's exciting. Any advice for, for a person who's never been there before? Uh, I got to go to Boston twice, once in 2006, once in 2007. One of the times around the Boston Marathon, as you know, 2007. Um, so the first time you did? I didn't, no, just went to go support my dad. Yeah. Just went. Oh, it was great. We just, went you indeed family. went. <laughs> I indeed went and supported my dad with my family when he ran the Boston Marathon for the first time. And then he did it the second time when I ran it for my first time. I would say when you're there, the cool thing is that Boston is very proud of their marathon. So you're kind of like celebrity status as a runner there. So when you're done running and you have your 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 medal, um, like the city, they, they love it when people wear their medals around. So it's one of the rare instances where after a race, you know, everyone gets their little medal. Puff out my chest. Keep wearing it. Right. They, they like people love because then like people on the street will be like, hey, you know, congrats. Way to go. Nice job doing the marathon. So they love that marathon. Yeah. Airport security will love it. <laughs> so I'm not it. taking this off for a week. You have to take this off to walk through the detector. I'm, I ran the marathon. I don't need to. Yeah. <laughs> Sir, step aside. <laughs> okay, okay, I'll take it off. Deacon Jordan hasn't made it back yet. I think he's stuck in Boston. Uh, hey, speaking of that, speaking of wanting to do things our own way versus you know doing things sometimes the way that others expect or circumstances that aren't our own. Yes. That connects beautifully to number four of the Decalogue that we're talking about today. Oh. Could you read that for us, please, Deacon Jordan? Indeed. Number four. Only for today, I will adapt to circumstances without requiring all circumstances to be adapted to my own wishes. So for me, when I read this, and when I, when I heard you reading it there, um, I will adapt to circumstances. I feel like I do that often, primarily because... I have a tendency to try and plan everything out. I mean, that's part of why I love teaching, I think. Making a lesson plan makes sense to me. Planning things, here's how I would like the day to go. Here's the ideal. I do that instinctively with my day. I keep a very organized calendar that I actually make by hand. So I'm kind of visualizing this is how that day will go. So that's me creating my own circumstances. And then as I go through the day, of course, it doesn't go that way. So I feel like every day I have to kind of re-practice Letting go of, well, this is what I had scheduled. This is what I'd hoped to do. And recognizing what do I, what needs to be done and what can I let go of. So to me, this speaks a lot about letting go of the things that I think I need, which would be the part of my circumstances. Mm -hmm. And adapting to the circumstances around me, not requiring them all to adapt to what I wanted. Just to say, like, okay, this is what's on the table here. There's a quote that I like a lot about this because... The, the converse of this is that I can sometimes not act. I can sometimes not do something because I want the circumstances to be what I want them to be, which for me often means that subconsciously, interiorly, I'm thinking everything needs to be just right. Everything needs to be perfect. And then I'll do it. 
You know, once I have this stuff taken care of, once I, sometimes even like doing schoolwork, it's like, okay, you know, when I can sit down for two hours and do that project, then I'll get it started. Well, if I don't get that chunk of time for like three weeks, then I just won't touch the project for three weeks, yeah. which is bad news. Like that's not adapting to the circumstances. Like I need to change it then, right? So there's a quote that expresses this well, which says, do not wait until the conditions are perfect to begin. Beginning makes the conditions perfect. That was, that was shared with me. It's attributed to Alan Cohen, and it really was a shift for me in my life when someone shared that with me years ago because I realized the first sentence was me, um, the person who waits until the conditions are perfect to begin, even though I wasn't thinking of it that way. That was totally what was going on. And to hear the second sentence, beginning makes the conditions perfect, yeah, you just sometimes got to start, take a step. So that's for me, is how adapting to circumstances feels. How about you? Yeah, well, I was wondering, even with you, yeah. like last night we went uh, to the Archdiocese Theology on Tap for Young Adults mm-hmm. and listened to Father Greg Boyle of Homeboy Industries and a couple of homies. And one of the things he talked about that I remember you mentioning last night what, with the whole idea of success. Right? Oh, like, yeah. Does this play into that too, do you feel? Or what What was that phrase? Definitely. He, it was a quote he said he got from St. Mother Teresa of Calcutta. She said, we are not, God doesn't ask us to be successful. God asks us to be faithful. Yeah. That faithfulness, I think, speaks to this idea of adapting myself to the circumstances rather than the circumstances mm. adapting to me that, that that faithfulness recognizes the humility of the individual in the sight of God and recognizing that, Oh, there's a lot out of my control. And in a, in a way you got to surrender self, like surrender the ego and just uh, trusting God. Right. Absolutely. That's, that's a great way of saying it. Surrendering the ego, which turns out we all have to do daily. <laughs> Just for today. <laughs> for today only. Then I'll come back to it. Only time. for today. <laughs> so, How about you? So the whole notion of humility and out of control, I remember, I mean, oh boy, a couple months ago, a month ago, I suppose, mm-hmm. um, being invited by our superior father, Jim, to serve as deacon for a Spanish mass and then uh, serve or adoration afterwards. Mm -hmm. And I've been, before that, I was playing around a little bit with Spanish online, like Duolingo, using that app. And so I was getting familiar with the vowel sounds are like really important, I I found out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And Father Jim had me in the sacristy before, and we were going through my parts, the penitential rite. Can say those things in Spanish just fine. Uh, Could say, you know, offer each other sign of peace and like distribute communion, mm-hmm. uh, el cuerpo de Cristo. Like mm-hmm. I was doing, I was doing just great. Well, then mass happens and, uh, it's like anything that could have went wrong, they go wrong. Um, we, we go in and where Father Jim has the introductory rites and all of a sudden there's this long pause. And I took the pause as a, Oh, this is where we where we remember our sins. And so I'll roll into the penitential rite. Well, Father Jim paused because there was this man running down the center aisle 
arms outstretched, yelling, Padre, Padre, Benedictio, Benedictio. So I put the penitential right in the wrong place. But Father Jim was very kind and just keep keep rolling with yeah, it. Go with the flow. Uh, and the people, you know, didn't react at all to, to my mistake. But then the next thing that went wrong was after the responsorial psalm, it was the gospel. And I thought we talked in the sacristy that I was going to proclaim the gospel in English. So I went up and asked for Father Jim's blessing. And he's like, oh, you're doing this? And I'm like, well, I'm not dumb. I can read a gospel in English. <laughs> and he's like, okay. So I got my blessing. I went to the Ambo. And it was a different style lectionary. So I read the wrong reading, the wrong gospel for the day. And then Father Jim preaches. And I was halfway through the gospel. And I'm like, this isn't the one for the day, but I'm like, I'm committed. Yeah. So we're going to go through this. And I'm like, maybe Father Jim can adapt his homily. So he gave his homily that he had prepared with that wasn't related to the gospel. And he's like, I'm like, oh no. Right. And then communion, there was uh, a little girl came up kind of with her arm, like not with her arms crossed or anything. And she goes, Benedictio. And I'm like, you want a blessing after I said, you know, El, El Corpo de Cristo. And she's, she's like shaking her head. And I'm like, and then thankfully like her mom came in and like, yeah, blessing and blessing. And I'm like, oh my gosh, it was just, it was a wild ride. Wild totally. ride. Not knowing. That, so like, even I had my parts down to an extent and just a lot out of my control. A lot of circumstances happening. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yep, a lot of things just go with the flow in the moment. I mean, it's beautiful that you're willing to put yourself into that space of ambiguity. You know, like you talked about, so you're helping out at a mass where you can't follow the entire thing because you're not at that level yet of comprehension. And it takes a lot of courage and patience. Yeah. Circumstances that you can't change or you're saying, okay, our instinct is that we want the circumstances to match us, which would be like, put it in my language and I can understand. Mm -hmm. You know, but instead... No, Mike can adapt to it. And then along the way, it might get a little bumpy, but hey, yeah. just well, smile and keep going. <laughs> yeah, it was a grace-filled moment because of that humility of just going, mm. ah, I'm not that good. I got a lot to learn. And the people were so kind. So the story that came to mind for me, especially in light of what we were just talking about with you going to Boston, my experience of traveling to Boston from the Boston Marathon in 2007 was filled with all sorts of similar things like you're talking about, things that I just couldn't control that were just happening as they came. So I was going to school at UW-Eau Claire at the time, and I had a choir concert the evening before the marathon. So on Sunday evening, the marathon was on a Monday. And my brother was going to the U of M at the time, the Twin Cities in Minnesota. And so he came and saw the concert. I had my luggage in the choir room, so I would literally go straight to his car and he would take me to the airport and I would fly there. So in theory, things should be smooth. Tim gets me to the airport, I get in the plane, arrive in Boston that evening, go to bed, wake up, running a, run a marathon. Woohoo, that should be fine. Well, there's storms, naturally. This complicates air travel. Ah, this is sounding familiar to my experience currently. <laughs> uh, right. We'll come back to that for sure. So that kind of began the whole list of things being out of my control. So I got to the airport. Great. That's all going as I would expect. Circumstances yeah. as I would like. And then the plane takes off as well. Thanks be to God. I'm thinking, this is great. The plane took off, so I'm not worried. You know, we'll get there and we'll land. I'm exhausted from school, so I fall asleep. 
I kind of wake up while we're on the plane because there's a lot of turbulence and I remember seeing clouds and stuff out the window. So eh, I was exhausted, so I go back to sleep. I wake up because we're landing. Oh, great. We're in Boston. This is so great. Pilot announces, hey, everyone, we finally landed. It's quarter to one in the morning. We're in Detroit, Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I mean, I'm like waking up like I don't know what's going on right now. Why am I in Detroit at one in the morning instead of in Boston at 10 p.m.? Like, what is happening? <laughs> So my next thought was like, shoot. Do we go through some time warp? Right. What, how am I here? I'm thinking, shoot, I need to let my family know. But luckily, my family has traveled. My dad has traveled a lot, especially um, by plane as well. So he was very, very savvy in following where the flight was at and all that. So I still just had to go with the flow. So dad's helping get a plane ticket for me to still get to Boston, hopefully, by that later that morning. I have to go with the flow, go stand in line for a couple of hours until 3 a.m. to get my ticket. They offer to let me stay in the hotel. Eh, my circumstances, yeah, I would like to stay in the hotel, but I'm afraid I'll oversleep and not make it back in time. So I slept with my luggage in the luggage claim level, just in a chair for a couple of hours. <laughs> Got back on a plane at 6 a.m. that morning to try and make it to a, a marathon at 10.30 that same morning plane takes off, we eventually land, that's great. I mean, it was just chaos all the way until I actually got to the place where the marathon was starting, a marathon outside of Boston, right? I mean, there's so much chaos in there as well. My mom and sister borrowed a car so they could take me out there. They have me hop out of the car, the, the authority, the security people, you know, you can't drive all the way up to the starting point. So they have me get out of the car, it's raining. Everyone's like yelling like, see you later, mom and Tracy. They drive away, I get on a bus, they take me the rest of the way try and find my dad, we find each other. The marathon starts at 10.30, like I haven't stopped moving since I left yeah. Eau Claire the night before. I haven't really had a square meal for 12 hours. And my dad and I start running the marathon. Great, we're together, we're running. Hooray, thanks be to God. And by the second mile of a 26.2 mile race, I say to my dad, I don't wanna say this, but I have to be honest, I'm really tired. <laughs> <laughs> But we had a great time, ran the marathon, we made it, um, and it makes for a great story. But in that moment, oh my gosh, there were so many circumstances I would have changed. Yeah. What can you do? I can't. I could have been in a bad mood, but at one point I remember just thinking like, I can't control any of this, I just would love to get there. And what's interesting is that feeling of powerlessness turned me to God. I remember just praying like, God, please, just, I can't do anything right now, just get me there, please. I just have to sit on a plane and wait and hope. So I think that's a really beautiful silver lining of these moments that we can look back at these stories like we're sharing and laugh, but you shared about yours being grace-filled when you were at Immaculate Conception. Um, I would say there was a lot of grace in this one for me as well. It was like, well, what I said, I, I can't do anything. God, please help. And I think those are some of the most sincere prayers, you know? Yeah. Yeah. The only thing you can control is your attitude and how you respond to those circumstances. Amen. Oh my gosh. That is so, that is the truth. And I think it allows us to laugh, you know, at things that otherwise would really be quite devastating. Yeah, devastating, frustrating, hopeless, you feel powerless, you don't know what to do. So with this, thinking about scripture, the scripture that came to mind for me, it's in Matthew. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 6, I'm going to read just parts of it, but starting at verse 25, in the, like a study Bible, this section is titled, Dependence on God. So Jesus says, Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, 
yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you, by worrying, add a single moment to your lifespan? And then jumping a few verses to verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. So to me, this all really talks a lot about that lack of control, you know, that the birds aren't going around um, sowing and reaping, and yet God provides food for them. And You know, that the little middle section that I skipped actually is also Jesus clarifying. This doesn't mean, like, just go sit and do nothing. <laughs> like, you still have to take care of yourself. Slothful. Right. Not, not that. Um, but looking at the heart of saying, I can sit here and fret and worry and try to control everything around me, then it's exhausting. And I'm still going to be in these situations like you and I have had where... I'm not in control of anything anyway. So the verse that gets me every time is verse 27. Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? I think when we're out of control, it's so easy to worry about something. And to some degree, that's natural. We're trying to resolve it. That's, you know, a good instinct in us, trying to find resolution, hope, God help, that kind of a thing. But I think there's a great balance of being asked. So is just worrying about it adding anything? Is that adding any? time, any space, any goodness to me. Mm -hmm. Mm -mm. It's just taking away a lot of energy. So to adapt to the circumstances and say, all right, like you said, choose your attitude, recognize this is where it's at. This is where it's at. Look at the birds. Look <laughs> at the birds. You know, Courtney has that in her office on a plaque. And I'm like, what is this about? She's like, open your Bible. <laughs> <laughs> really? That's what she no, said. she didn't. And she actually gave me the answer. I would love that. <laughs> <laughs> You're starting to be a priest. Open up a Bible. <laughs> I like that. I like that taking the symbol of the birds. It's a good way of just, you know, we can't get too serious about these things, right? Yeah. It's also just sometimes you just got to laugh and say, look at the birds. We'll be fine. Look at the birds, but not for too long. <laughs> <laughs> Especially when we're in Rome. Yeah. Look out for those birds. Look yeah, out for those I birds. I can just think of a flag of seagulls just Totally. Destroying. Chicago. Look out. If you want to learn more about Canons on the Run, go to www.norbertines.org, click on the podcast tab, and if you want to reach out to us, click on Contact the Podcast Team. You can also find us on iTunes. Make sure to subscribe, leave us a review and rating. You can also like us on Facebook. Absolutely. So as we continue the journey in one mind and heart on our way to God, we ask for our Holy Father, St. Augustine and St. Norbert, and St. John the 23rd to... Pray for us.